Welcome to Between Sundays. I'm Barry, and today we're tidying up our hearts. Tim's here to talk about how to throw our anger in the trash, just like our pictures from 1997. But before we do that, now that she's back from letting the world corrupt her, let's welcome in our favorite empty closet, Marin. Hey, Marin, how are you? <laughs> oh, empty hi. closet. Sorry, yeah. that's a little. That's a little dark. I, I Ouch! <laughs> letting the world corrupt me. Uh, I'm like, wow, Tim's where have I here. been, Gatlinburg? Well, Tim, how are you? Good to see you. Welcome. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad to be here. Friends of the pod, obviously, Tyler (laughs) is not here. Uh, He's off with his team doing some strategic work in their area, and it leaves the rest of us amateurs here to try to figure out how to do the podcast. And I'm not going to lie. This is our second attempt because I forgot to hit record like (laughs) the first time we got through about like, I don't know, 10 minutes or something. And I realized I'm not recording. So let's do this again, guys. How are you doing? (laughs) What's new? Marin, how are you? What's new in the Gaffron world? (laughs) As if I don't Um, already know. Yeah, right. I'll just tell you what I told you 10 minutes ago. Um, Jaden's taking his driving test, I think this week. Um, I might have to move some scheduling things around so I can get him there. But that's the biggest thing on the horizon. Soon and very soon, I will have an independent third driver in this home. Amazing. And I am very excited about that. Have have many people made the sort of cheesy, like, oh, better stay off the road joke yet to him or to you? To him? Um, no, we're not hearing a lot of cheesy jokes. Oh my. Oh, I did confession time. Listen, I'm tidying up. I'm tidying up my heart. (laughs) Cleared out. (laughs) Last week. I got my first speeding ticket <gasps> of my entire adult mm. life. Mm. What were you doing? I had never, never gotten a speeding ticket. I was running late for a meeting and I was heading down Allisonville and a police officer driving in the opposite direction Uh-oh. of me swung around with the quickness and pulled me over. And as he approached the window, he said... Are you the student driver? <laughs> because I have that stupid bumper sticker on the back of my car. Oh, That's man. funny. Oh, oh I was man. devastated. No, wow. no, I'm not the student driver. I am the irresponsible mother, but I am not the student driver. So, guys, first speeding well, ticket of my life. I couldn't even be upset about it because I feel like it's been a long time coming and it's about time you've somebody it. issues me a speeding ticket. Yeah. The week yeah. the anyway. week that your son gets his his <laughs> big responsibility of driving a motor vehicle. Uh, yeah, well, I'll have they to, should next time uh, I learn him, from my mistakes. Next time I see him, I'll make that joke because I feel like it's it's a rite of passage to have cheesy jokes about staying off the road as a part of driving. Uh, so I'm gonna make uh, sure to make that joke to him next time I see him. Yeah, actually he's really good. He drove all the way to Gatlinburg and back. So I think that was around like fifteen hours in the car and for the most part he was solid. He only had like maybe one or two moments that kind of, kind of made me nervous, you yeah. know? I, yeah. I asked you this before, but you got to tell everybody, so are you the kind of mom <laughs> that puts the phantom brake on, on the, in the passenger seat? Are you like slamming okay. on the brakes and yeah. <laughs> I am not that kind of mom, which surprises me because I thought I would be, I thought Jed was going to have to handle the whole teaching them how to drive thing because I'm far too anxious of a person yeah, and yeah. I was going to worst case scenarios all to death, right. you know, but I have not been that way. Uh, for some reason, there's like this calm that comes over me that I can't even describe <laughs> when I'm the one in the front seat and one of my children are driving because Desi is also learning. There's this calm that comes over me 
and I'll just, I'll say things in those moments like, okay, and that's how we die. <laughs> and then I will explain to them what they did wrong and how they could keep us alive better next time, you know, but yeah. that's what I do. I don't phantom break. I don't grab for the door handle. My mother always, even as an adult, my mom, if she were in the car with me, would grab the door handle. Like, if I did anything, she didn't like, like. she's going to jump out of the car. I don't. And I asked her this so many times, like does this, does it make you feel protected just to touch something? I don't, she'd like kind of brace herself uh-huh. if I put on the brake too quickly or anything at all that she didn't like, even as an adult, she would react that way. So I've really conditioned myself to not do that. I don't mm-hmm. ever want to be that, that person, but, but I will say, okay. And that's how we die. So let's, <laughs> let's, do let's use our turn signal. <laughs> I believe in you. Yeah, but I'm so excited. I I said this a couple minutes ago, but the 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 best moments of my parenting when I knew we had turned a corner, when I taught them how to pour their own milk <laughs> and I got my mornings back, especially on the weekend, y'all just the, you know where the cereal is, go pour yourself a bowl. <laughs> um when I taught them to unbuckle themselves, mm. when we got out of car seat years, oh, oh. the freedom the freedom. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that is where we're headed. I can't wait for the day that I'm like, oh, we're out of onions. Jaden, go <laughs> yeah. to Kroger and grab me some onions. I can't wait. And so I, excited. And I bet like in a, in a roundabout way, he will help out with the load of getting Desi places. So that's one other yeah. Fewer thing to have to worry about. You'll be able to have three drivers in the family. That's that's exciting. Telling you guys, a new day is dawning and it's looking very bright. <laughs> oh, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for you. Did you uh, how about you, Barry? What about me? Um, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah, just doing doing stuff. I'm. I feel like I'm at a point which is kind of odd and I'm still just processing it, but I feel like for the first time in a really long time, my mental space is starting to clear up a bit. I'm able to start thinking a bit longer term, a little bit less anxiously. I, I think kind of since the beginning of COVID, I feel like I've been in a bit of crisis mode at all times, you know, like with, there's the pandemic and then, and then obviously all the really difficult decisions about grace and the restructuring and the reorientation and all that. And it's just, it's felt like, is putting out fires all the time mm. and it, it's, it's responding to, you know, one angry email or another, or there's just something, something that's always causing me stress, anxiety, making me lose sleep or whatever. And for the first time in a while, I feel like I'm actually in a decent spot where I can, I'm not overworking. I'm just working like, like this past mm. week, I got everything on my to-do list done and I cleared out my inbox and I was like, and I was done. I, that has been a long time since that, that, that has happened to me. And so I, it's, it's good. I'm, and so that means I'm able to kind of without guilt, really spend time working in the garden and planting my plants and researching. I'm just, uh, I'm re- kind of ridiculous. Cause you know, I'm a seven and I like to, <laughs> uh, on the Enneagram, I'm a seven and I like to go from one passion to the next. And now I've found multiple avenues like woodworking and gardening that, there are an infinite number of sub passions to pursue and sub there's always something new to learn and something like already I'm modifying next year's uh, seed starting schedule uh, to modify it based on what I'm already learning this year. And so it's just like, that's kind of my, my favorite thing in the world is just having something to grow in and get better at. And so I'm having a blast. Um, Yeah. That's all. I don't know. I guess I'm, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Tim, what about you? How are you doing? I'm good. 
I have to say it's been a beautiful spring. It couldn't have been, I don't know that it could have been any more, at least where I live. It's beautiful. Yeah. There's supposed to be snow this week, I think. Yeah. Do you believe that? Because I'm looking out the window right now (laughs) and and it just seems utterly impossible. It is gorgeous outside. We're recording this on Monday and it's like 70 degrees and sunny. So we'll see. We'll see. They, They have been so wrong on the weather because of the lack of airplanes giving them information you know so mm-hmm. it's just a, really a crapshoot but <laughs> but um no i'm fine i i'm good I, my wife is in the background can you hear her she's having a no. meaningful conversation Tell her i said hey oh well i just <laughs> uh, there's no way for me to I don't want to. One of the few things I do not do in life is tell her to be quiet while she's on a, a meaningful <laughs> conversation. So she's, yeah, she's back there. Well, I can't but, hear um, it. So I cannot yeah. hear. Okay, her I, can, I can hear her, but that—that's good. You can't hear. Um, I'm just trying to think of what to tell people. No, Tim's good. Tim's- Tim, did you did you go somewhere yesterday after church? Did you? Yeah. Look at art of any kind. <laughs> oh, as we were sitting in the front row during the service, actually, right as the service ended, I leaned over to my wife and I said, do you really want to go to that art um, auction? And she goes, no. And I said, well, I don't want to go to that art auction. And she said, great, <laughs> we're not going. Yeah, she. Ah, so you didn't go. What, no what are we talking about paintings here? for you? Oh, I talked to the. I when I did my mic check, I talked about the fact that I was informed that well, it was a conversation with Jennifer about what we were going to do the in the afternoon, and she said we were going to go to the art auction for Hoosier Impressionist that was downtown, and I said why, and she said because. I know it's your happy place. You love to go to the art auctions and I've never <laughs> been to an art auction. <laughs> I've, I've been to the showings of what they're going to auction, but I, let's be honest. I'm a pastor. I didn't, my last, my middle name is not Rockefeller. I can't buy <laughs> any of that stuff. I can go look at it, but I can't buy it. And so, uh, well, we did buy one painting one time when Jennifer went to an art auction because it was like the last painting and everybody had spent all their money and nobody bid on it. And so she got it for almost nothing. And yet, no, I didn't go to an art auction. I rode my bike. That's <laughs> what I did yesterday. Nice. So that was Very nice. I, I think had I gone to the art auction, it just would have been weird. Because it's weird enough to go to the things when they show you what they're going to auction because then all these people are there who are trying to decide how much they're willing to spend on these paintings. Mm-hmm. And I'm not thinking about that because the amount amounts that they have as the minimum bids, I would feel ashamed of myself if I minimum bid on <laughs> some of those paintings. Because now, are they're, these- they're like t- they're TC Steel paintings and – they're Adolf. So these are like the real deal. These are the kind that collectors have been buying for a long time. And this, these come out of. So Tim, are these like, is this people buying these to collect them and add them to like collections or putting them up in their home or well, what is this? Well, the answer would be yes. Um, they buy them to put them up in their homes for the most part. Um, some of them put them in storage, but 
most of the people that I know that buy them, I mean, Marin, you've been at our house and seen that we have a pretty good collection mm-hmm. of real art, but it's not TC steel. <laughs> so that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, no, the, this is people who, the truth is that art is only what worth what people are willing to pay for it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have any intrinsic value. I don't believe that people buy them as investments because anybody that other than like really, really high end stuff that will naturally get more valuable. You don't know whether something is going to be popular in the long run or not. So if you don't, it, the, yeah. I've got a, I mean, I've thought about this a lot. You have to really like the painting and want it in your home. Mm. And you, and just because somebody painted it, I have we have a painting by a painter whose last name is Turtle, and he's apparently famous, but most of his paintings are terrible. And so it's like every painter has a bad day, or some famous painters just have one good day. Name any other painting by the by Da Vinci who painted the Mona Lisa. Name any of them. I can't think of one. And that uh, I can't either. You know, and so it's like. I find the I like art. My wife is a painter. I have some. I have some. I don't know. Oh, sorry. Yeah, my wife just. My wife just closed the bird. The bird seat <laughs> lid behind me. That's okay. They needed fed the birds. There she is. She's behind. Um, but <laughs> hey, Jennifer. Um. I'm glad I didn't go to the auction because it would have just made me feel bad. I had picked, I had seen the paintings that were going to be there on a catalog online, and there were four that I liked out of about a hundred, but I would have never mm. bid on any of them. I'd have been embarrassed, and it's just a world I don't. I know about yeah. it, but I'm not a part of it. So hmm. fine, fine art is one of those areas that I just, I find so intriguing, but I just absolutely don't know anything. Like I hear other people, I, I watch some YouTubers that like explain what makes certain pieces mm-hmm. of fine art, such works of genius. And I'm like, Oh, well now that you explain it, right. That's brilliant. But I never in a million years would have understood what was happening there. And it's, it's so in the eye of the beholder, like something that I find so special and valuable when I'm gone someday, my child is probably just going to bring it to a thrift store and it will be lost forever. Yeah, well, <laughs> just because I find it beautiful yeah, doesn't mean they we've will. We've had to make sure that our kids don't do that with some of our stuff because mm-hmm. not that it's not that it's that valuable, but at least it should be in a in a place where somebody actually appreciates it. And I don't. Yeah. I just right. don't want them to like right. put it in a garage sale. I don't want to. Yeah. I wouldn't see it, but I don't want Antiques Roadshow to have somebody and say, I bought this for a dollar at a garage sale in Carmel, right. Indiana. How much is it worth? You and they have go, a national treasure. Yes, this is, this is a VJ Cariani and it's worth $50,000, you know. Uh, I just threw that name Again, out Again, I... Yeah. I would love to know more, but I just, uh, I don't know that that's in the cards. Maybe, who knows? I like following different passions. Maybe fine art will, will come my way well, someday I will after say this. geology Dave, and ornithology. David Cottle 
came over, you know, your, our, your assistant, he, he yeah. came over and he wanted us him. to give him a tour <laughs> and tell him about all of our paintings. And I just found that oh, wow. in, that oh. was just endearing. He just wanted us to walk yeah. through the house and point them out. And Tim, I didn't know you were giving out tickets for that. I would want to do that. The door is always open. That's man. awesome. It's always open. <laughs> yeah. We, That's awesome. Yeah. So. Well, hey, why don't we why don't we turn the page and talk about <laughs> the the message from this weekend? Tim, you gave a great sermon. I heard great feedback from several people. Um all about throwing our anger in the trash. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what was your big idea? What were you trying to communicate uh, for those who might not have heard it? Well, I think the biggest of ideas is that if we actually want to live lives that um, bring about the that which God wants in the world, we cannot walk around with anger in our souls because it will take us off target. It will it will dominate us. It will keep us focused on ourselves and the world needs what God has called us to be is other centered and being angry all the time is about as self-centered as you can get. And so Mm -hmm. I just wanted us to be practical about it because I mean, I know from my own experience that anger takes me off, off point. And, and the last thing I want to think that I can do is be really angry about stuff and still doing things that make God happy because Mm. I mean, you know, he doesn't need me to do things for him, but when I am given the honor to do things for him, my heart should be in the right place. And it can't be that I'm thinking about how I can get even with somebody or how horrible I think somebody is or what, whatever it is I'm angry about. I had Mm. Mm. two really I would say precious conversations with people before I did the sermon who were both in the program. They're both in Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And step four is admitting your resentments and talking Mm -hmm. to somebody about your resentments, writing Mm -hmm. it down. And I saw so much healing in both of these people's comments about it. And they were very, I didn't go find them. They just came up. These conversations just came up and it gave me so much perspective to see people who had deep resentments that had driven them to become alcoholics and that their anger about things was, was something that they had to admit was their own deal. It was like them finally admitting their own part in what was going wrong in their lives. Hmm. And that really impacted me. And I was so thankful for the their honesty with me at a time that they didn't, it just came up. And, and, that really formed my thinking about it. I used the word resentment a bunch in the sermon because I thought it was a good word and it's straight out of Alcoholics Mm -hmm. Anonymous 12 steps. I'm not, Hmm. I was not trying to, I didn't mention that in the sermon. Right. But um, we're trying to steal their, (laughs) their intellectual property. (laughs) Yeah. But still it's a, it's a thing that's true. I mean, that's a long answer to the question, what was your big idea? But the other thing that was really important, and I 
I had to be open to talking about my own issues in Mm -hmm. this because otherwise you just become somebody who's screaming at people. Um, Yeah. And our people don't need to be lectured by somebody that seems to be saying he doesn't have any issues with the problem we're talking about. Right. Because you said, Tim. Oh, go ahead. No, anger is just everywhere. And uh, there are people that aren't angry, but most of them have worked through it and come to another place. The ones that I've talked to. Hmm. You said that there are three like specific kinds of human anger that we tend to have. One is the quick unexpected rage or some people are angry in different ways. They quick unexpected rage that blows up and, and then quickly subsides. Um, other people who are in kind of a continual state of smoldering anger and resentment. And then those that like stuff their anger and resentment down deep. Right. So those are the, said, and there's probably others, but yes, those are the big I ones. I said those three because I thought they would cover enough of the waterfront for me to then say, there are lots of ways that anger shows itself, but that's not why we're here to talk about how it shows itself. We're here to mm-hmm. talk about how much it it keeps us from doing what God calls us to do and be. I use those three because the one about somebody who has a quick explosive anger, most of those people won't admit that, but they they live mm-hmm. with people who are going, because I had that. I had people say, I live with that. And mm-hmm. the problem is that they won't admit there's anything wrong with it. That's why I said... There are no excuses. Yeah. That's just Hmm. the way I am. And, um, and this, I have met a number of people in the recent past who are just angry all the time. And, yeah. um, And that's why I mentioned the smoldering ones, because even if nothing is really happening that could make them angry, they're just ready for it. When they get behind yeah. the wheel of the car, they get in the car ready to be mad at somebody. Mm-hmm. And and then the other one was me. So, And that yeah. was a hard – that sure. whole episode with those pictures was a hard one to admit. I mean, I, I had to weigh out and read what I'd written to my wife long – like two weeks ago, I wrote that just so that I'd have plenty of time to decide whether I was going to be that honest because hmm. those people, not, they're not listening to me preach now, but they might sure. be. I think I told you guys I got accosted by somebody at another church where I was guest speaking mm-hmm. about something that happened at Grace in 2004. And this person was still mad at me. And it wasn't even him that he was mad. He was mad for somebody else. And Sure. I can't imagine carrying, what is that, 17 years he's carried that anger towards hmm. me and he felt that God had sent me to that church so he could unload on me. And so you never know. Probably when he was out mowing his lawn, <laughs> he was thinking about, man, the next time I run into that Tim Ayers, I'm going to say this. I'm sure you he know? has because he, he was ready to talk to me. And uh, when you said that, Tim, in your message, you. You said towards the end that you need to stop doing that. Stop thinking about, you know, the next time I'm at Kroger, if I run into so-and-so, I'm going to know just what to say. There were audible gasps and, you know, kind of nervous laughter in the room 
because we've all we done all do. that. Yeah, yeah, I only said that in the third hour. I didn't say that the first two wow. services. I somehow I started talking about how I'm dangerous when I'm mowing my lawn and I'm thinking about what I'll say. And it just came out of me. I don't know. I mean, I've thought about that, but I didn't have it in the others. And it's not in the text. If they put the third hour online, that's in there. Mm-hmm. But that's really. The- that's what I, I I was in the room when it happened. And then I rewatched what's on YouTube okay. today. And it is that okay. third hour. Okay. Well, that's probably best because. That was about as raw as I could get about that. And I thought it was important to say because I knew I wasn't alone. I knew I wasn't alone. Hmm. Um, So where does where does all this anger come from? Like, I mean, I'm talking like broadly speaking, is it just part of the human condition? Uh, Is it why are we so resentful of one another and, and I mean, you mentioned it's throughout the Bible that this is being addressed. So where, like, why, why are humans so angry? Do you think? Well, either I, of you, I think that the natural fallen state is to move away from being people who are part of community and who are, whose life is given to making, I bring my gifts into the circle so that I can make everybody else better as they're doing that for me, that we can together make our lives what God called wants us to live like. Mm -hmm. And yet when in the the fallen state, we turn that over and it's all about me. I had a guy come up and Mm -hmm. tell me that the reason he gets mad when he's driving is because he's mad that the other person has an agenda that he thinks is more important than his. Hmm. Hmm. Now, wow. I, I didn't say anything, but that that's like a double edged thing there because what he's saying is that, his attention has turned to his own his own agenda to such a degree that he's just assuming that somebody does something driving because they think their agenda is more important than his is. And hmm. that's that whole selfish. It was interesting to read the stuff about um, Jewish thinking at the time about the two kinds of anger because – they were really serious about anger from humans being an emotional response to being uh, to 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 feeling like you're not getting what you deserve. Hmm. And hmm. and I I think we can probably trace any kind of anger back to something like that. That people don't want to have to waste their time messing with people who do something they think is stupid. Or people don't want to have to pick clean up after other people's messes or people don't want to have to. I mean, we any kind of reason people get mad, I think we can get it back to them putting themselves in front of other people. I, I know that I've said this before. I might have said it on the pod, but the, the greatest um, realization in my marriage was when I realized that my wife is always trying to do what's best for us even if what she does is not the best thing she still thinks she's doing the best for us and if i default to that and she's done something that i don't understand why and i ask her she'll tell me what she's thinking and in it will be her reason for doing it and it's i shouldn't get angry about it i i might have to correct what has happened but or we together figure out how to fix something but it's I shouldn't get angry at her because I'm suddenly having to deal with something because her intention 
right. was the best for both of us. And, and, and she does the same for me. And it's, and it's in little stuff. I mean, it's in little stuff. Most of the time that people get angry, they're not usually getting angry over the existential, existential state of the government or something. They're mad usually about something that somebody does that's small and personal. And that's where people usually are mad. I mean, there are people who are mad about the existential state of the government, but that, but there's something else that's driving that for them. They think they're not getting something. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it it's a rough one because there's just deep anger everywhere right now. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. For me, Barry, um, in in my personal experience, my pain will turn to anger. And so the anger stems from something that hurt me, mm-hmm. something that caused me pain. Because for some reason, like there's this like converter that takes pain, which is too hard to deal with and unbearable and uncomfortable yeah. and turns it into anger, which I can then stuff and is... <laughs> more in an unhealthy way, manageable sure. for me. If you can, I can if carry you can put it where it goes in your, right. Yeah. In your heart. If I can, I can carry a hidden resentment and it's different than facing that pain head on or having to look at that pain and deal with that pain every day. Sure. Um, yeah. And so I'm not saying that's the way it is for everybody, but that, that has been how it has played out in yeah, my I life. I get that too. Hmm. I understand that, man. I understand that. So in, in James one, uh, let's talk about that passage for a minute. Cause Tim, you pointed out the fact that, uh, James, the older or younger brother of Jesus, by the way, do you have a, do you have a leaning on that? Which one you think it might be? <laughs> no, I get in I know tr- we don't know, but it- I get in trouble. I, if you go either way, you get in trouble with somebody. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. I, Who are we I won't, making I won't mad today? I we don't have, want to I anger to somebody else. feel <laughs> that he's an older brother because mm-hmm. the older brother. The, I mean, I could go, we could, I, you know we need a whole pod for me to talk about that. But, but it, I, <laughs> I think he's the older brother, and there's plenty in the Bible to point to it. The only problem is that. The older brother position is generally held by people who say that Mary was a perpetual virgin. And so I'm not a person who believes Mary was a perpetual virgin, but that's the position of those people. So it's it's a little awkward. You know, you got to when you hold that position, you have to talk about it from other things because most people go, that's right. You're you're down with the orthodox position. Mary was eternally a virgin. uh, (laughs) You know, so, yeah. So, yeah. Hmm. I was just curious. Um, anyway, so in James one, he, he lays out, it's interesting. It's so early in his letter that he goes right to this topic, but he talks about how, um, basically if you claim to be religious, but you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. We have to, to, you know, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires in, in verse uh, 20 says that. And you summarized it as basically saying anger that grows out of purely selfish human sources can never be something from God. It can never be like God and it can never be used for God. That's right. what you said. So can we talk a little bit about the difference mm-hmm. between human anger and God's anger? I want to hear a little bit more from, from what you're, how, how you've processed this. Like, cause I think we'd all agree and you kind of hint, you kind of mentioned this, but like 
if God was never angry at all, then he wouldn't really be a good God because there is broken stuff in our world. There's injustice, there's pain, there's evil. If he wasn't angry about that, then he wouldn't really be a good God. Right. Right. So he is angry about those things. He's, he's, he's upset. He's angry that the world is so broken. So when are we, when is our anger, good anger, God's anger? And when is it selfish anger? And is there a really clear way to know? Well, yeah, I think, um, First off, God's anger tended to be, it showed itself when after much patience on his part and dealing with something for quite Mm -hmm. some time, he was just sick and tired of people ignoring him and him having to deal with the same thing all the time. He shows his anger when people have come to a point where they know exactly what they should do and they've been told multiple times and they still refuse to do it. Mm-hmm. That's the way it shows up in the Old Testament and that's the way the Jews thought about it. I mentioned the fact, and this is actually, I read it in a definition of God's anger um, in the, I think in the Jewish encyclopedia that, that it, God is God's anger shows up like a judge who is judging someone for the umpteenth time for the same crime and yeah. back and front. And he has to bring about judgment. And every time he's brought any kind of judgment that gives any leeway, they just go back to doing the same thing. And so now he has to do something really big. And so he's angry about hmm. it because he's there's injustice and wrong in the world that could have been taken care of a long time ago if people had just paid attention. And and I think that it's, that's... It's, I think it's... Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Tim. I was going to say, I think that's absolutely something that we can we can participate in and we can also participate in. Now, we've got to be really careful about when we're deciding what justice looks like. I think we mm-hmm. we need to know yeah. what it means from a biblical standpoint and what God is thinking about when it comes to that. But I think that it is very possible for us to function in an anger. And I hate to use that word that. It's the problem is that it's actually a very different kind of feeling than what we feel when we feel like we've been like we've got we're mad at something or somebody. Um, mm. I think there's a big difference. And I also said I said being, being angry about being angry about sex trafficking in our world feels different than being angry that someone cuts you off on the road. OK, that's a great example. The, the first part I yesterday was listening when I came home from preaching. I was listening to some radio station that was talking about sex trafficking and how they were working on it. And they said, and they said that they, this organization will put fake children online and the Mm -hmm. average time for someone to try and purchase an 11 year old girl online from the time they put it online is one minute and 30 seconds. Oh my gosh. Oh my Lord. I was furious. I mean, it's, that that angered me, and I think that's holy, godlike anger. I am yeah. not in the least bit ashamed or feel like I need to go to a counselor to help me with that. But that is something mm. very different than somebody cutting me off right. in traffic. And right. Well, because it's not about you. It's no. a, your your anger is f- on behalf of the vulnerable. So I think you're right. And that's where God's anger generally shows up. If you look at the reasons, Hmm. it's almost always about 
the people who need to be taken care of aren't taken care of and the people that are have everything or making it possible for them to even have what people who don't have anything have. And that's the kind of stuff that, that God gets angry about. And sure. And I think it's interesting. I think if you look at the Torah or the Pentateuch, the first five books, I believe that it only says that God gets angry specifically at like Moses and the Israelites, maybe Aaron a couple of times, like his anger burns against them them for not implementing what he intends for the world. He doesn't, his anger doesn't burn against Pharaoh. His anger doesn't burn against humanity during the flood. It's usually that he's saddened or he's hardening their heart, but he's not angry. His anger is against people who are not living out his intentions when he's called them to. But then later and you look at the prophets and he's, yeah, I mean, it's clear God's judgment and anger is burning hot against those who perpetuate injustice and inequality. And so, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I think for me, and I can only speak for me, but the more that I can cycle myself away from feeling like I've been done to and being angry about that, which has happened in the past, and more that I can pay attention to that whole business about who is in the who needs who is in the most need, and how can I be yeah. engaged in that? That's probably the best way for me to be both ridding myself of my own troublesome anger towards the world, and moving into a space where God Himself. That whole thing about the righteousness of God. I mean, I I probably didn't say it very well, but. Anytime you get a genitive in the Greek, you have to do this possessive thing. Like, what are they talking Mm -hmm. about? Because there are always three or four options. And I think part of the reason that the Bible's even in Greek is because we have these multiple options and usually they're all right. Mm -hmm. In the NLT, Mm -hmm. they had to choose one of them. They say it does not lead to the kind of righteousness that God desires for his world or something like that. And so they've chosen one of those, which means that our anger can't ever be used for God. But that but also it is true. I don't know that God would ever declare us righteous no matter what we're doing if we are driven by human anger. And I I don't think that God would ever want to say, well, you know, Tim's personal anger towards so-and-so is an awful lot like I feel when I think about so-and-so that's not going to ever happen. (laughs) And so I think it's all, all good in that case. And that's why I brought it up because it was helpful for me. It was helpful for me to think about it like that. So, yeah. Yeah. But I will say Um, I'm, I'm not, I am prone to overemphasize genitives. And so it's just my thing. But I think in that case, you know, if you take a class like my Mark class, I'm sure they're just done with me talking about genitives, but it's always (laughs) one of the, one of the most challenging parts because it widens my vision of what I'm thinking about. And and I think God Mm -hmm. is honored in us thinking widely about him. So. Right. If you're not sure what Tim's talking about, uh, friends of the pod genitive is like, he kind of mentioned this, but it's the, it's the possessive. So it's like, yeah, righteousness of God, God's righteousness. It could mean all those different things. It'd be like saying the, uh, I have a really good joy of Marin. 
<laughs> the joy of Marin is it could mean well the best like the, one the is, joy that Marin has yeah. or the type of joy that she exemplifies or there's a really good know. one where it says the love of God is like foremost or something like that and does that mm-hmm. mean God's love to us or our love of God or does it mean you know you can you can mm-hmm. parse it out of love in all that kinds he of has. ways yeah. what, what who is it a subjective per, a subjective possessive or is it an objective possessive or is it I mean there's all these forms of possessives and a lot of yeah. times they all work the author may not have been thinking of all of them but they all can work when you when you're just thinking about God and how wonderful he is and and I love doing that mm-hmm. and I love bringing those up when I find them so hmm. yeah well, one of the things that you said, you gave, you gave us three steps or three things that we can start to do to throw our anger in the trash. One is to admit our anger is there. Uh, number two is to work on listening, being quick to listen. And number three is living in the righteousness of God, which you talked about being focusing on others who have real need. So that sounds easy. Why don't we just go and do those things? <laughs> and, and by that, I mean, by that, I mean, those things actually seem relatively difficult if I'm actually being honest, right? because I don't want to admit that I'm holding on to resentment because it makes me feel like, ugh, that means I have to deal with that. I don't want to work on listening because that means I don't get to spend as much time talking about myself, you know, and all that. Right. I don't want to have to think about focusing on others and real needs because, but what about my needs and what about my feelings? And so, <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm being a little ridiculous, but it, why is this so hard? Why, why is it so hard for us to to do these things and to really turn away from, from anger. What do you guys think? Well, I think it's back to the nature of our fallen state is that we just naturally move to places where we want to focus on ourselves and all of those. I don't want to admit to people that I have trouble or things wrong with me. I don't Hmm. really want to talk about that. And I don't really want to, I don't really want to have my, default position to being quiet when I think I have something to say all the time. And you're right about I, it's natural for me to want to, what am I getting from this or how am I the one that's benefiting yeah. from something? Um, yeah. I, I've been reading a leadership book that I won't mention the name of it, but it's very popular and lots of people use it. And so I read it because people were talking about it and all it was was about the superhumanness of each individual and how our purpose is to not let anybody get in our way. And hmm. I'm thinking if this is the way, actually the market, exact, our purpose is exactly to let people get in the, the way. Yeah, that's I was the reading whole it point. last week and I was like, that's exactly the opposite of what I'm about to preach about. And maybe you have to be that way to lead a, fortune 500 company i don't know but it just seems like somebody'd figure out that you're pretty full of yourself after a while you know? and, <laughs> yeah um, i think that's where it comes from um mm-hmm. uh, we are really good at being autonomous beings we form mm-hmm. our own we form our own groups that we care about and we're really good at leaving other people out and all that stuff leads mm. to these kinds of attitudes. Mm. I would hate to think, think I would hate oh, to think ahead. I'll say one more thing. I would hate to think that I'm I don't talk very much or that I'm silent because I just don't think anybody's really worthy of what I have to say. And that's that's an 
that's a possibility for somebody like me who's a five. I'm just mm-hmm. not going to say anything because these people mm-hmm. are all stupid. And, and, and that's <laughs> even worse, I think. Yeah. And when my silence yeah. is actually pure ego. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about being silent. It's also about actually listening. Yeah. So that you're actually responding yeah, it, uh, it, to it, others. Yeah. Hmm. You guys are, you're getting at where my mind went, Barry, when you asked that question. Um, my mind went straight to Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can even know it? I might, I might think, and th- this is how my brain will, will process these three things. Okay. If there is anger in our lives, we need to admit that it's there. Well, I will say, well, I don't want to put that on somebody else. Like I, I can admit that my anger is there and I can write it down, hmm. but I don't want to burden somebody else with this story of this thing that has caused me this great pain, which has turned into this great anger. And I will just continue to carry it hmm. and continue to stuff it. I may have named it. I may have admitted it, but I'm not going to share it. And I might even think in my wicked, deceitful heart that I'm sparing someone else the trauma of having to walk with me through this. But all I'm really doing is perpetuating my sickness and my anger and the thing that I'm holding on to. You know, Tim, it's like what you just described about maybe I'm being silent because all these people in this <laughs> in the room are idiots and I don't even want to share. You know, there's a good way to be silent and there's a uh, deceitful yeah, there's, way there's to be silent. silent. And the human heart is so deceitful. Hmm. Um Sometimes even the motives that we think are good and pure are actually not good or pure. So (laughs) yeah, the heart is deceitful and wicked. And I think it's, it's why we need to be vulnerable with one another because other people can point out, you know, where I am lying to myself um, about things like that. Yeah. Hmm. So here's, here's a random question. I I just was thinking about this and I wonder if you guys can help me answer this. Uh, I I might try to take a stab at it myself, but what, what would you guys say? What does it feel like to be free of human anger? Like, what does it feel like to have that empty closet where the, the, the anger's gone? How does it feel to live that way? What does it look like? What does it feel like? Um, cause we're, we're talking a lot about the negative of what, what anger does to us and how it, how we feel with anger, but mm. like, what is the, what's the opposite feel like? And can, can you guys describe, I mean, I know we're all working, we, everybody's working on our, our human condition of anger, but I'm sure each of us has experienced moments where we have been lightened and freed from that. Uh, Tim, you hinted at it feeling like it, 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 um, when you, when you are moving away beyond these sort of trigger right. things and throwing the pictures in the track, like it, it's a new day for you, but what does it, what does it feel like? How would you describe it to somebody? Um, I think from, I can only speak for me. For me, it feels like I'm, I'm released from the weight of something. That's pretty mm-hmm. much the responsibility of something. Because the responsibility has always been justifying myself. And I have felt really good about the fact that I don't have to think about that. 
I don't know what I'd do. I don't, I mean, I have run into people post the, some of this. And I think I mentioned it to you that I ran into somebody um, randomly at an airport and it was just um, a sense that I was not responsible for anything other than what was happening in the moment. I didn't need to, I wasn't carrying inside of me the bitterness about what had happened a long time ago. And it just freed me up to just be in the moment. I, I don't, you know, sometimes people have no idea why you're upset. You know, the mm-hmm. response, I've seen like three responses. If you talk to people about it, one, they don't care. That's not cool. One, yeah. they never knew that that was possible or another is they're really sad and they want to get it straight. And, Hmm. um, you never know until you talk to somebody about it, but most people disappear and you don't really get a chance to talk to them about it. So at least in pastoring. Hmm. So, Hmm. yeah, I would say, I would, I would just say that it's a, like, you're not responsible. I'm not responsible for the moment. I can live in the moment and not carry the, the past into what is happening now, 20 years later. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think it out and and work it out with a description that might even sum up the way that it feels. And I don't know, the the first image that came to mind was like having an elephant with its foot on my neck. Like anger pins me to the ground. Anger dictates the way I behave and controls me and being rid of that anger um, frees me. I'm not pinned down by it anymore. I can stand up straight. I can take a deep breath. I can move forward Mm. and I'm not, I'm not controlled by something. I'm not allowing something to, to control me that way. Um, Now that's all very idealistic and, (laughs) and sounds nice. Um, I think I continue to come back to the question of how do I let go and stay let go? Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking about it this morning, Tim, and it brought me back to probably one of the, the most recent severe anger I've felt. I have worked a great deal to let that go and to, to heal this relationship and let the Lord heal this relationship and let counseling heal this relationship. But if I stop for just a second, and remember the thing that triggered that rift. Right. Hmm. It, it's astonishing that how quickly I can have <laughs> the feelings, the feelings of like sour stomach or the feelings of rapid heartbeat or being hunched over. Like it, there's a, there's a physical reaction I have to the anger sure. right that I feel when I think about this, the situation. And even this morning I'd say, okay, no, hmm. We're, we're beyond that. Yeah, we um, don't forget anything. It's not right, forgiven for right. good. It's, it's just what do we do with it when it raises up? And right. You said the scars from the wounds of those time, those times were was very thin. There's hmm. scars that form, but maybe they're thinner than we think they are. And it's not until something like this triggers or, or, or reveals yeah. 
the, just exactly how, how thin those scars right, are. That's exactly what I was meaning because I honestly hadn't thought much about any of that stuff until I was confronted with pictures. I'd thought mm-hmm. about it in the past, but it had been a long time. But suddenly it was all just right in my face. The other thing is those pictures are of people 20 some years ago. They don't look like that anymore. I don't know what they've been through. I don't know what their lives mm. are like. I don't know anything, but I was just furious about the whole thing. And if you're honest, if I'm honest about it, that's pretty ridiculous, actually. It, but mm. but I had to be I had to say, no, I'm really mad about this. I'm mad about it. And it's affecting me. I present it's affecting a lot of things right now in the world that I live in right now. So. Um, I quote from this book quite a bit on this podcast, but um, there's a book called Let Go by Archbishop Fenelon. And there's a line in there where he says that pain is only felt where there is life. Hmm. And so it's like when you touch that nerve, you know that it's, it's active. There's still something going on there. And if the whole, you know, taking up your cross and, and dying to yourself daily thing is something that we should be taking seriously as a Christian. Just the fact that I'm having this reaction to this uh, memory of the past is showing me that there's something still alive there that needs to die. Hmm. Wow. Um, and so what is that? What does that look like for it to die and stay dead? <laughs> yeah. I think that that actually it's interesting that you use that metaphor because I think if I were to answer my own question as, as of what I've experienced, it is as if when, when I'm, when I do have moments or times when I'm free from anger, it, it is almost like a new birth or new life that comes as a result of the death of that thing mm-hmm. where all of a sudden I'm able to live in freedom. And it, in those times when I'm not angry, which I, I'm generally speaking, probably compared to the average person, I'm probably less of an angry person. I generally am, I give people the benefit of the doubt. I'm a pretty happy-go-lucky guy. I, if anything, I just stuff it down so I don't have to deal with it because I'd rather just buy the world a Coke. But it, when I have, I have experienced anger and as I've moved beyond it, what I find is that it's like, it is like living a new, it's like breathing life again. And all of a sudden it, it is so much easier to care for other people and to think about other people's needs. It's almost like it's this self, it's like a virtuous cycle where the moment you do take up your cross, you know, and you die to yourself and you start to live for others and start to live for Christ, all of a sudden it becomes easier to live for others and live for Christ. And it's like you start to live into that resurrection life that mm. that actually does perpetuate more life. <laughs> and it's it because so I, I think for me, I would say it's a life when you're living free from anger. It's it's a it's a virtuous cycle that replicates and grows on itself and helps you to live even more free from anger. Uh, but again, I'm a Enneagram seven. So I take my, <laughs> take my word for it that I'm generally a pretty happy go lucky person, which, which means I've probably got stuff buried pretty darn deep anyway. Well, and that's why I'm glad that he used the word resentment Yes, because I would say that I'm not an angry person. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not a hot headed person. I'm not a hot tempered person. So if you just talked about anger, I would think, I'm good on this one. I get a pass. Yeah. But if you talk about resentment, that touches a nerve. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Mm. 
Well, it was a really great sermon, Tim. Thank you for taking us there. And um, I still I'm just amazed at the timing of this series, because I think we talked about this last time, but we we planned this series like two years ago. um, And it was I mean, it's it's not really a time bound series. It doesn't have to happen at any particular time. But we finally had a chance. It was spring. I thought, let's let's put this back in rotation. And we decided to do it. And it's just been good. It's been Mm -hmm. I think it's going to continue just to be a really good uh a good chance for us to enjoy yeah. um, doing a little bit of self work. Yeah, <laughs> so, I, it, I think it's really um, good. It's really good, Barry. It's really good. Yeah. So what's next, Barry? Well, uh, that's what Tyler would normally ask me at this point. Uh, Amy is preaching this coming weekend and she's preaching uh, about, oh, many hands make light work. She's going to talk about, I tried to title all of them in the same format, like, little aphorisms and it just didn't work. So this was a little bit different. It's just more of a truth that many hands make light work. And she'll be talking about community and talking about how, um, if we want to do some spring cleaning for our soul, it's not a, not a job that we do on our own. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to hear that. And I'll give you a little teaser the following week. We've got a really special person, uh, preaching. I won't say who it'll be a surprise. Uh, but I'm excited for that person to preach. So, um, (laughs) let's see friends of the pod. Next week, we will not have a podcast because our whole um, pastoral lead team is going to be on a retreat. Uh, it's our annual strategic retreat, and we're doing it a little bit later this year than normal. Um, but this is a chance to really set the strategic tone for where we're headed as a church. Uh, and I really am hopeful and prayerful that that God's spirit is going to meet us and give us great uh, unity and perspective and, and frankly, that we just connect well as a team. So if you wouldn't mind joining us in prayer for that, um, that would be much, much appreciated. We're going to be gone, uh, the 26th through the 29th of April. And so just, yeah, if you wouldn't mind praying for us and lifting us up as we go and help to talk about the future direction of grace, and then we will come back the following week and, and get back on the podcast. Right. So Thank you all for listening. Um, I think that's it. And so if I know what, what comes next correctly, Marin, would you please send us out? I sure will. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And we'll see you on the other side of Sunday. 